You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode coming to you. It is an episode that has been months in the making, literally, as we have tried to nail down schedules and get people to do this. But uh, we're finally here, and we're going to talk to you about the book of Boba Fett. But before we do that, let's meet our cast for this week. So starting off, he is one of our friends from Level 7, and that is JD. How are you doing, JD? Hi, I'm the one who's chronically ill, and I'm not. <laughs> I'm here. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I'm doing good. Uh, it's a pleasure to be back. I'm talking about one of my absolutely favorite shows. <laughs> Wow. That didn't sound that didn't that sounded wow. very sincere. JD. I can't. I'm so glad I had to rewatch this show <laughs> to prepare for this podcast. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. So yeah. Um anything uh, anything else going on for you in the you know uh, the last month or two since you've been on? No, I've uh I've been trying to do more voice acting. I've mm. uh and I'm uh GMing a podcast uh, uh actual play masks podcast so hmm. now i've been like creating and and doing stuff but uh outside of that no not not much all right well i mean at least you're keeping yourself creative and having some fun so that's good and it's good to have you back on the show it's good to be back all right and next up he is an actor. He loves Howard the Duck. And we just recently talked to him about the Batman. And that is Daviar. How are you doing, Daviar? Great, Nathan. Oh, uh, this is going to be a party tonight. I am so excited to talk about this show. I uh, can't wait to see who's on what side and what big arguments it leads us into. So let's roll. I'm ready. All right. <laughs> so anything uh, new and exciting for you since we talked about the Batman? Well, uh, I think last time we talked, I was just getting to Canada because I'm mm -hmm. from Georgia, had been working at, a, at, a, at the Alliance Theater in Atlanta. Now I'm up here in Ontario, Canada, working at the uh, Stratford Festival. So all is going well up here. I'm getting used to Can Canadian things. Like, for instance, Canada uses bag milk. Mm -hmm, they sure do. Uh, instead of cartons. Mm -hmm. And I'm getting used to that. That's a real weird thing because they cut open the bag and then just sit the open bag in the refrigerator. And so I'm still trying to figure that out. So, uh, so little things like that, you know, kilometers, uh, what else, you know, yeah, leaders, all, dealing with all that stuff. But so far, so good. Hey, eh? milk. Canada is oh, yeah. low key unhinged. They don't oh, talk yeah. to you about it, but oh, yeah. when you get yeah. up there, also, yeah. could you please smuggle me across the border permanently? <laughs> oh, <dude. laughs> I've had so many offers of marriage and uh, <laughs> over the last week, uh, I tell you. All right. Well, I mean, 
I guess you can do with that what you will. <laughs> you know, I might start selling myself on eBay to see you know, for the highest bidder. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. If I can get a good deal. Oh, well. Yeah. 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 I think somehow eBay would probably like not allow that. But, uh, oh, you know, yeah. great if you great if you could pull it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that. Okay. Ooh. Yeah, that would sound sound pretty pretty effed up. Uh, yeah. Single single black dude for sale. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is totally legit. You just need this early two thousand ten Craigslist it's back. Not, you can yeah. sell anything. Yes. Yeah, we'll just leave Pickups there. only, no shipment. <laughs> well, it's good to have you back on the show, Naviar. Indeed, my friend. Thank you. You're welcome. And finally, you know her as somebody that we have on Legendary Forces where she talks about all things Star Wars. And that is my friend, Corey. How are you doing, Corey? I am. I'm doing great now. So, yeah, I'm glad to finally make it here and be here to talk about this show. All right. Very cool. And you are petting a cat. What is your cat's name? Her name is uh, Lieutenant Ellen Ripley. Ripley, mm. for short, yes. She is incredibly codependent and um, won't leave my lap when I'm trying to do anything in front of the computer. So that's what we're doing tonight, is recording this and also keeping her off the keyboard. Yeah. Oh, God. I know it's My cat, it's like, oh, she'll, she'll be fine. She'll be aloof. She likes to be in the room with me, but she'll be mm -hmm. back on this tower I have behind me or whatever. The second I start working, she'll materialize in front of me. And it's just like, I, I, I need to be doing something and just like, <laughs> nah, she just wants to lay on the keyboard or just walk in front of me back and forth or, you know, like, she, and it's just like, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I'll just, you know, pet her and scratch her and whatever for a while. And no, that just encourages more. It's just like, yeah. So when I podcast, I, I actually close the door and keep her out of the room. <laughs> if I close the door without them in here, um, you can, you could probably hear them. Mm. Uh, again, when I say codependent, I mean, like, I've never had a cat this level of codependent before, and this is just what she is. So, yeah. Well, that's nice, at least, that you get to, <laughs> you get to pet cats during the podcast. So. It is nice. Very soothing. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, it's good to have you on the show, Corey. It's good to be back. And you know what time it is. It's time for our five-minute controversy. And that's the part of the show where we talk about something that's going on in the geekosphere and we could all weigh in on where we stand with it and, um, you know, gives people a little insight into us and lets us loosen up before the show. And so this time I wanted to talk about uh, Ezra Miller, who seems to be hellbent on generating a new controversy almost daily at this point. I think it's a little more than one a week now. Um, from charges of assault to, uh, of like, uh, uh, you know, resisting arrest and, you know, um, uh, avoiding the police and now charges of, um, you know, holding children against their will in a place that's, you know, got guns and bullets, you know, just out everywhere. Like, it is crazy. It is crazy. And, um... I'll provide a link in the show notes to some of the news stuff because I'm kind of, you know, like just spraying a lot of stuff out here. But if you've been paying attention at all to the news, you know, at least some stuff's going on there. And um, so a lot of people are saying like, 
DC is just going to drop this Flash movie. Like, you know, like they, 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 you know, there's a lot of rumors, nothing official, but there's a lot of rumors that they're not going to do anything with Ezra Miller moving forward. But the question becomes, what about this Flash movie that they've already made? But then, you know, the counter argument is always, there are tons of people involved in that movie who had absolutely nothing to do with any of these crimes that, you know, both crimes and alleged crimes that Ezra mm -hmm. Miller has, you know, committed. Uh, and so should they be penalized? you know, for, for that. So I am very curious where people stand on this. So um, let's start with you on this one, Corey. What do you, do you think the Flash movie should be released? So I think right now, based on everything that's going on, is they should, Warner Brothers just needs to take the L, drop it on HBO Max and just don't market it. Cause it, this, I mean, there's a lot of people that worked on it, yes. But like when you have someone who is behaving in this manner, which is, I mean, kind of ruining their own brand, mm -hmm. like like they are ruining their personal brand really quickly and without a real purpose behind it. Um, they're also kind of like affecting this, the whole, the DC films as a whole. So mm -hmm. I, I'm kind of torn on it because at some point, like, is this a movie that uh, people are are really excited about seeing? I don't know that. And do they think? Come it's on, you know Sean. That they, oh, you're right. No, Sean's there. He's right there, isn't he? Uh, wow. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. But I, I, I think at this point, the best thing they could do is just like just drop it on HBO Max without a whole lot of fanfare, and then I think that might be the compromise because like I. I'm not excited to see it at this point, and I feel bad for everyone else involved in it because of that. Or, you know, they could just CG, uh, what is it, uh, Tig, uh, uh, Naruto right, yes. in it? Do you oh. know that? Yeah, this, yeah, they could just CG another actor in it. I, that's a joke. I'm kidding. But yeah. uh, well, no, I mean, some people have said Grant Gustin God, no. should be CG oh, no. to who plays the Flash on mm. TV. Um, oh, yeah. That's something no, I have I, heard. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's a viable option this in, late in the game, but in fairness, Tig Nataro would make an excellent Flash. Right? <laughs> Absolutely, she would. So just you know, just put her in there. It's okay, fine. not to derail things too much, but the thing oh. saying Bruce Campbell should be CG'd in for Mera on Aquaman two <laughs> to, to get rid of Amber Heard is just left me in stitches. But anyway, <laughs> all right, JD, where do you stand on this? So. Uh, Warner Brothers made the movie. Uh, Warner Brothers, I assume, has a uh, fairly robust insurance policy uh, protecting their losses on a movie that they don't release, especially due to the conduct of one of their actors. They're going to have to still pay the other people that worked on the movie. Uh, but yeah, I don't see any way in which you can release this at all and recoup any of the money off of it, given that... <clears throat> Ezra Miller should probably be in jail right now. <laughs> like, um, before he hurts himself or someone else, Ezra Miller should probably be in jail right now. And I, I, I mean, I would say I don't know how they could release that movie with a clean conscience, but they're a corporation, so of course they can. But they should not. <laughs> the one thing I want to say is this. Usually contracts in Hollywood are based on ticket sales. So I think there is probably some base pay that everyone gets paid. Sometimes. But... Not not everyone is on a percentage deal. Um, that's usually only for the higher paid actors. Hmm. Um, 
And that's actually a fairly recent thing. Uh, I mean, I, I think famously, uh, Robert Downey Jr., that he ne- renegotiated his contract to be paid percentage for the rest of his Marvel deal. And Marvel was like, oh, that's fine. And then five years down the road, we're like, oh, no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would be, I mean, if Ezra Miller is the biggest name in that movie, like I would be surprised if even he is on um, a percentage deal. I would imagine he's probably being paid base. Okay. I, I I would be surprised if uh, this deep into the game, Warner was making contracts, uh, especially after like watching what Marvel has done. I would be surprised if they're doing a lot of percentage deal contracts. Oh, okay. I thought that was standard practice in Hollywood from stuff I had heard before. It may be more prevalent now than it used to be, but I, I think a lot of, especially franchises are trying to shy away from it because again, like... Hmm. Robert Downey Jr. made something like 55 or $60 million for Endgame because he was on a percentage deal. Uh, and studios do not want to part with that kind of money, right. regardless of who the actor is. Okay. All right, so Daviar, I know, because you like started like almost salivating the moment I mentioned this one. So I know you have thoughts. So tell me your, th- tell me your thoughts on this one. Yeah, so it's not just Sean. So one, you know, I'm a big Flash fan and I've been waiting for a Flash movie forever. But that's, you know, beside the point to what my opinions are on this, mm-hmm. because I think, I think, I think unless this goes incredibly dark, uh, there's no way Warner Brothers is not going to release this. I think that's why they pushed it a year away from now when it was supposed to come out this year. Because the thing I have a question about is, yes, we're talking about this in the geek sphere, but do does the everyday moviegoer who sees like one or two things a year, do they even know who Ezra Miller is? And it's like, are they tracking this at all? And it's kind of like a year from now when this movie drops, will, will there be any like the general audience or will, will they have any recollection of, oh, he threw a chair at somebody like in May of last year in Hawaii? And even the situation with, with the family that is staying with him, you know, I mean, reading the Rolling Stone story, the mom says, we are here by our own will. So it is, it's kind of like being seen through this guise of Ezra Miller's crazy that everything's kind of escalating. So I don't know, I, I know we are very conscious of it, but I wonder how big the regular the, the, the regular film goer is. And so that to me says, and especially with all that Warner Brothers has on this film, with it basically relaunching the DCEU, I don't think they could, they could regulate it to just an HBO Max release because of what is riding on this. This is set to kind of, reset like the structure of DC. So Michael Keaton's back, they're introducing Supergirl. And it's like, they've got to do this on a big scale format. So I think that unless it goes horribly wrong, they're gonna release it. And and I think for me, I think, look, if this thing comes out and it's some kind of surprise hit, who knows how much of this might be forgotten for as, you know, and it's just right now they're saying, yes, there's there's rumors that, that they might be done with Ezra after this. But if this comes out in June and makes anywhere from eight to nine hundred million and like as and people really love the movie. I mean, like like JD said, it's a corporation and they'll look at that bottom line and say, do we really want to get rid of this guy? You know, uh, who just gave us a near billion dollar film? I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you, I think you're likely right 
that because of the fact that it's so important from a movie standpoint, because it is like sort of the reboot on the DC movies. And they, they have a Batgirl movie already set to go after it that has the Michael Keaton Batman in it. And so it's like, this was supposed to be the reset that launched Michael Keaton's Batman into the DCEU. They gotta have that on the big screen. And so, yeah, oh. I, I don't, I think they're going to, I mean, but my question was more of, is this the right thing to do? Um, but yeah. <laughs> Morally, no. <laughs> I feel like that sums it up, JD, is morally no. So I agree with you. JD, why? Um, well, because I tend to believe accusers in, as a default. So the people that have accused him, I tend to believe are credible. And I think within the year, he will probably wind up. Uh, I would be... I would be frankly shocked and kind of appalled if within a year he is not going through the legal system. Uh, and I think pushing this back a year um, probably doesn't do... It, it, it might actually hurt Warner Brothers because they may very well have pushed this back into when a trial is starting, <laughs> if that's how this turns out. So it's fair to say that the thing with the family living with him is ambiguous right now mm -hmm. because of the fact that the mother is defending it. But there are so many things we know for sure. We have video footage of him choking someone at a comic con, mm -hmm. you know, we have multiple eyewitnesses of him hitting somebody with a chair, you know, we, you know, so there's like, there are things that can be confirmed. That Ezra Miller has done, you know, that have been violent, you know, been criminal activity, basically, you know, that it, he's assaulted people. And then there's the family that put the restraining order on him because he was harassing their daughter. And, you know, there was there's there's that stuff, too. Where... I mean, there was a girl that he was basically like accused of holding against her will. Like, yeah, this is and, and this is not a person who like you also have to believe that he is going to get better in the next year and not do something more insane shortly, <laughs> which I would not put money on myself. Um, yeah, I, I I, mean, obviously, like, Warner Brothers is going to do Warner Brothers, and if they feel that they can, you know, stomach the blowback from putting it out, they'll put it back, they'll put it out, but... Um, and, you know, maybe 15 years ago, they could have gotten away with that. Uh, but uh, I, I don't think Twitter will forget. <laughs> no. And I think that will be a significant enough impact on their bottom line. I, I Will they make their money back if they put it out? Maybe. Yeah. So so here's my other thing, though, about the about the family, even if the mother has decided to move in with him and, and like it's her decision, the fact that there are guns everywhere in this property out and about where kids can mess with them shows a very bad, you know, like shows like it's it reflects very badly <laughs> on Miller and the mother. But, but uh, we're in America. <laughs> well, I, 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 get, I, I get that, but I'm you know, just saying, like, you, you know. Can I, I, as, I just want to point out, like, sorry, as we're talking about this, like, I don't want to be this guy, but like, Ezra Miller's pronouns are they, them. So, mm -hmm. like, I, I, I think That's it's important fair. that even when someone is caught, uh, definitely a problem. Like, I, I, you know, I'm just saying that, like, when we're talking about them, like, I, I don't want to just yeah. only use only use someone's correct pronouns when you like them. But like, I also don't know if you guys know that or not. I, so. I actually didn't. So thank okay. you. Yeah, I no, no, no like, idea. I, like, yeah, I'm not trying to like be like, well, actually, you guys are being jerks. But like, yeah, just yeah. putting it out there. 
Fair point. And, and I think to bring it back for me, and you all check me on this because I'm interested, uh, it is of the question of if, it, if it's morally right. There's a lot of things that are accusations. There's a lot of things that are hearsay. And there's a lot of things that has a lot of ambiguity in it. I have a hard time for me passing moral judgment when it's in those three places. So you are correct that a lot of the, especially some of these newer accusations are at this point on the accusation level. But there's also the, all the stuff that happened in Hawaii sure. <laughs> is, is but, a very like concrete, like they were, they had the police that showed up where they were staying with some friends because they threatened to kill their, or hurt their friends in some way. There was like all of this stuff about how they were like, like wrecked the people they were saying what's house mm -hmm. like all of that stuff is really well documented and like including like restraining orders and all these things that have come out at least this is again from my understanding of what i have read like sometimes things change new information comes out and i may be missing something mm. but all of that is is definitely an actor behaving badly and that already is like okay we have these things but you you are correct that like some of the newer stuff seems like what what is hap what is actually happening here in in terms of like uh we know that, that there's a, a woman and her child that have left which based on what she is saying a somewhat unhealthy household to go to baby another unhealthy household and like you can't say it's kidnapping in that respect yeah. if the woman we don't know if there is coercion going on mm -hmm. but some of the things that have come out not about that case but perhaps the other case feel very feel like there's some coercive elements happening and this is again supposition i don't have all the facts heard so. on that heard on that and i but i think the point that we are asked to make the moral judgment on of morally should he move up should ezra uh move forward uh with this film is based on the la the latter accusations yes the early stuff is foul you know putting his hands on someone throwing a chair at someone that's foul but i don't think we'll be saying should ezra uh morally is it morally right for warner brothers to release this film if it was just those things because we've seen a lot of actors do crappy stuff before in the past i think what's really shaping it is the kidnapping and the and the grooming and things like that like the more the more nefarious things to be fair i was seeing the calls for them not to release this film after the mm -hmm. stuff that happened in hawaii before this newer stuff so just me to too. be fair me too, i was already seeing too. it and so i was actually going to ask this question on the next podcast <laughs> i did and then i was just like oh god it just keeps spiraling out and then it's just one of those things where it's like yeah they're accusations but it's like how many times is like think of bill cosby who it wasn't until like 30 something women accused him that it was finally like, oh yeah maybe you know he's doing something where it's like okay you know like how many people have to accuse after we have documented bad behavior and again this is in a sort of different you know area this isn't like violence per se to like you know coerce somebody to come live you know but or kevin spacey or brett ratner like there's a laundry list of of people that like well you always heard the allegations and then something really concrete came out i mean the the issue with the the child grooming i mean they'll they'll be able to handle that in court if you know court officials could ever find ezra miller again um because they still have not been able to serve him with that order to my knowledge or serve them sorry which is weird because somehow child services are talking to him about the thing yeah. with the family yeah. we know he's so in it's vermont like... or we know ezra's in vermont yeah. oh my gosh. how can you not find him to serve him i, I don't yeah. know anyway <laughs>
or, I'm sorry, them, yeah. them, I'm sorry. Yeah, them, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, anyway. All right, but yeah, all right. So we've, we've talked about this. Yeah. <laughs> it, it feels like a no-win situation, right. no matter kind of what Warner Brothers does right now. Um, and I think you're right. Um, I think that they're kind of holding off for next year to see what happens, which, you know, yeah, could very well backfire. But yeah, yeah this, this but, is risky, but... Exactly. If it ends up going to court, people will not forget. It will be uh, a circus and Warner Brothers will be stuck with an even more difficult choice to make. Yeah. Uh, I I agree with you, though. I think at the end of the day, they will end up releasing the movie, whether it's the morally right decision or not, because they got to make their money back. Right, but I think it's very likely they will part ways with Ezra Miller after, unless it is some huge hit. But I just don't think it'll be a huge hit. I can't imagine unless, like, it's a A, a massive hit, and B, like, none of the charges and none of the allegations stick to him. They're stick to them. I cannot imagine that they proceed with them moving forward. Uh, and even if they do, like, that's... Those kind of allegations don't tend to wash off of you for a, quite a long time. So that's, you know, that's a decision that they will have to make. Uh, and I, I really don't see them... I mean, movie franchises have parted ways with people for less. Yeah, and the, the thing is, the only reason why this is a weird situation is that in other cases I can think of, either the movie was coming or they were in the middle of making it. Like, this is one that mm -hmm. is already in the can. God. And so it becomes yeah. like a weird question of the work's been done. So what do you do? You know, like, do you release it? Do you not release? You know, like, definitely don't work with them again, you know, but then, but what about one that's already in the can? So yeah, that was my uh, curiosity there. How people, yeah. Marvel is very likely to part ways with Letitia Wright for significantly less. But Marvel, you know, is Disney, and Disney is, is very trippy of that. Absolutely. So it's, it, it'll be interesting. I think, you know, of course, <laughs> DC has a much longer <laughs> uh, a road that it gives folks. So, yeah. But at, 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 at the end of the day, this just kills the fact that we don't get a Flash movie um, you know, uh, anytime soon. I may have to wait another year for it. And it kind of just tarnishes the whole aspect of it, where this thing that was supposed to reset the universe and be something really exciting and introduce uh, some awesome new characters and, you know, all that's going to kind of have like this cloud over it, maybe. I, I mean, if nothing else, like if, if any of these charges are accurate and any of them stick, the, I don't know, the selfishness that it takes for them to have completely imploded this movie that everyone else has worked so hard on is, I mean, kind of impressive, that level of arrogance to do that. Are you guys still excited about it? Um, about well, the movie, about seeing it like right now? Like, I mean, how, yeah. how do you feel about seeing it? So you are still excited. Well, because as an actor, look, I made peace a long time ago knowing that the people that I go see on screen all have some stuff in their lives. And if I mm. try to have a moral compass on everybody I see, I can't be a movie fan. So, I, so I'm, I'm able to separate and just, just see the movie. And for the movie, I'm excited for the film. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's because you seem to be our biggest Flash fan, so I was just kind of curious. <laughs> I'm, I'm heartbroken. See, the funny thing is, if this had been on its original schedule, it would have come out in 2018. And it's only because <laughs> DC has like been like mishandling everything with their movies that this has been pushed multiple times, you know, uh, out. 
and uh, and you know now it's coming in in, in 2023, um, and so there would have been no scandal, no issues in 2018, um, mm. and so yeah, it's one of those things where it's like I've been excited because of the idea of a flash movie. Mm-hmm. Not that not that Miller's portrayal in Justice League like did anything really strong for me. I did. Agreed. I wasn't very excited yeah. about about Ezra Miller's Flash in particular, but I was just like, okay, but now they're going to bring in Michael Keaton's Batman. And mm-hmm. with how Keaton's career has been the last few years, I'm really excited to see Keaton's Batman again. And I was really curious sure. what they're going to do with sort of like an overall franchise movie. So I'm still going to see it. And on rental, you know, on <laughs> HBO Max or, or on rental. I have watched since uh since batman v superman i have watched one dceu movie and the flash mm. is not going to change that for me mm. i uh that this franchise has burned me too many times mm. with well, very, fair. very fair. bad movies well well well, well. <laughs> it's fair i think they've been doing a lot better in the last couple of years but i mean yeah. the suicide squad is the one i watched that was oh, pretty surprised good you didn't watch wonder woman uh 1984 no no, no I, the original one the the original one i did oh that's right that was after batman yeah it came out after i did batman see Super- that oh okay and that one was fine yeah that it was good it, mm, it was fine <laughs> oh okay good. all right all right <laughs> all right, that, all right guys we, we went way over five minutes on this one. <laughs> sorry everyone sorry i don't know how to shut up so yeah. don't mind me but our but yes now um Let's uh, let's talk about the book of Boba Fett. And first, we're going to pause for a promo from another five podcast. It's time for a promo for the Epsilon 3 podcast. The Epsilon 3? What do we talk about? It's a Babylon 5 rewatch podcast. Babylon 5? What's that? It's the greatest 1990s sci-fi show in history. How are we going to watch it? With glee and excitement. How would we rate those kind of episodes? Out of jump gates. How many jump gates? Out of five jump gates. Because it's Babylon 5. That is correct. If you go to Zahadum, you will die. But you know what you won't do? You won't die listening to the Epsilon 3 podcast right here on the ESO Network. talked about at the top of the show we're going to talk about the book of boba fett which came out on disney plus um oh i probably should have had a date in front of me it was like the end of 2021 something like that i think that it started running but anyway the book of boba fett premiered on december 29 2021 that's what i thought that's what i thought so um you know i've i've talked on this show about the mandalorian the first two seasons of that you know and how you know excited i've been with the mandalorian and you know the things that they've been doing with the mandalorian so you know book of boba fett very excited you know going into this show but before we start talking about the show itself i am kind of curious because boba fett's been this character that's been part of the star wars franchise since really the late 70s because even before empire they were putting out promotional material with boba fett action figures comic appearances so boba fett has been a character that 
you know, Lucasfilm has been trying to promote, you know, for a very, very long time. So just kind of curious about people's like history with the character, if you have any strong feelings. Um, so let's start with you on this one, Daviar. Oh, God. I was always that person that was not the Boba Fett fan. No. I, just, I, I just didn't get it. It was like, oh, the suit's so cool. And I was always like, is it? I'm like, why is this guy who got knocked into the Sarlacc pit accidentally by a blind Han Solo? Why was that guy cool? And it's just like, I just never, you know, he just kind of walks around like, yeah, just with his gun and with his suit. It just, it never clicked for me. So when I heard that they were doing a show uh, with our uh, Tamira Morrison, the clone from Attack of the Clones, I was just, I wasn't stoked. Let's just say that. And I was more dumbfounded. So that's where my history is. Curiosity, have you watched The Mandalorian and have you liked that show? I've watched both seasons of The Mandalorian. I like The Mandalorian. Okay. Uh, I'm not obsessed with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, that's fair. I was just curious, like, yeah. you know, background wise. All yeah. right, JD. Uh, I was that kid that uh, was way into Boba Fett because his armor was cool. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think. I think originally, uh, like, I don't think Boba Fett was ever planned to be anything. I think Lucas kind of stumbled into that, if I remember correctly, uh, where people like really latched onto the character and they were like, well, I guess we have to put him in things now. Well, no, 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 no. They, there was clear marketing. Oh, and was before there? Empire okay. came out, oh, yeah. like they were oh, trying yeah. to build oh. this up as he's this big thing that's coming. Like, then they probably should have like done a better job of portraying him that way in the movie then ooh. uh i mean i was what i mean return of the jedi came out the year i was born so like <laughs> my memory is not the best of that time frame but uh yeah no i was i was a kid that liked boba fett uh and then disney has or uh, well disney now but uh lucas had kind of done as much as possible through the prequels to like make me not care as much. Um, and so, I mean, I like, I was excited for it, um, but I kind of walked into it with the same trepidation that I walk into most prequel series with, which is why. <laughs> All right. And also have you been following the Mandalorian and how do you feel about that show? Uh, the Mandalorian is definitely the best disney plus star wars show right now um i like it a lot it is not a perfect show um season one has some wild pacing issues um but uh you know for the most part like i like it i i like the vibe of it and it was a show that i made sure to watch every week when it was on okay and Corey, tell us about your background with boba fett Okay. So, um, I was that kid 100%. Uh, my history of star Wars is long and very storied, uh, to give you an idea of my obsession with Boba Fett when I was uh, like 12, maybe, uh, I had a Boba Fett t-shirt that was of course a men's size t-shirt and it was mm -hmm. a large men's size t-shirt for some, cause that's what you could get back in this era. And I had, uh, Jeremy Bullock, the actor, who plays Boba Fett, I picked the shirt up and it was so big on me again, cause I was a kid, laid it across like the table and he signed it 
while I was wearing it, I still have this t-shirt. I just want you to know. So um, I was- I would be very sad if you didn't. Yeah, no, I was that child that was incredibly obsessed with Boba Fett. And a lot of that came from, um, I have read most of the Star Wars EU books. And I think the first like big, when I got into Boba Fett was um, the Tales from Jabba's Palace which is a book from the 90s, which is a lot of short stories written by different people about different smaller characters. And there is a short story in that, which details like Boba Fett escaping from the Sarlacc pit. Now, granted, like none of this is canon anymore, but I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. Like small child me was like, oh my God, this is so cool. And really got into it from there. So I went back, I watched the entirety of the holiday special uh, on a on a VHS that I got in a bootleg at a convention just so I could watch the first appearance of Boba Fett to say that I had seen it. Uh, there's a lot of things like that. Yeah, I have. I was very I had the his ship, the the big toy of his ship when I was too old mm-hmm. for toys. I had like so much Boba Fett stuff that um, I was very much um, obsessed. I think I wore out the action figure. <laughs> like i think yeah. i think one of the legs ended up popping out mm. <laughs> um no some of mine never left the uh the box because i was also that kid if it left the box mm. it might get dirty and i i wasn't gonna get a new one so that's all i had no but i wish i had because i'm pretty sure those toys are worth a lot of money oh now. yeah oh yeah oh yeah yeah but i had a lot of them none of them in the box i still have a few star wars figures but they are well well used they are you know not going to be worth anything if i sold them but um but yeah um yeah for me um you know i mean like boba fett was always like the character that it seemed like he seems like he could be awesome, but we never actually see it, right? You know, because you have Empire, he stands around, he looks cool. Jedi, he dies like a putz. <laughs> but, you know, then you get, like, the fan explanations. Like, you know, the whole idea that Luke is subconsciously tapping into the Force. And that's why the Stormtroopers are so pathetic and why Boba Fett's so pathetic. is like, he's mentally projecting incompetence into them. And then you sort of go, okay, that's a nice way of explaining away why we never see the cool, because we only see Boba Fett you know, and you know, we see him in Empire without Luke around, and then he's you know able to do stuff. But when in Jedi, he's like incompetent. Okay, that that works. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but um, you know, yeah, for me it was the expanded universe. You know, uh, Han Solo trilogy, uh, Bounty Hunter Wars. You know, Tales of Java's Palace. You know, all that early stuff with Boba Fett it was like, okay, this is interesting. Like they're actually building a character around him. They kind of explain the background. Because that's the other thing in the movies, you get no background. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> everybody seems a little intimidated by Boba Fett, but you never get like any kind of background. And so it was like, okay, this is really cool. Then the prequels happened. (laughs) And I was like, what, what, what are, what, who's Django Fett? What, he's really lame. Oh, Boba Fett's just a clone of this lame guy. No, no, don't do this. Don't, don't do this again. And and Mm. it's like, oh, they're just going to spit on Boba Fett more. And oh, okay fine and suddenly he's got a new zealand accent now and we're even going to go back in and i'll edit the original movies to put in that accent and take it on the original voice and i can't take him seriously in any of those new versions and it's i'm really glad george lucas trusted his original artistic vision (laughs) (laughs) so that was my all right so so here's the thing i love the mandalorian and i even like what they did 
with Boba Fett in The Mandalorian season mm-hmm. two. Yes. I hate the fact they got the prequel guy back to play him because really? that voice. I hate no. that voice. I like that's Tamira the best Morrison. Part. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Morrison no, I, 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 honestly. I, I, I no, cannot take him seriously no. with that. He's voice. delightful. I love him. Uh, uh, and it's not like cool. he's bad as an actor. He's just not Boba Fett. I really wish they had hired someone who could give us your like a voice that sounds similar to the original voice. But all right, whatever. Or a voice that could emote, that could showcase emotion <laughs> in some way, or deliver d- dialogue other than like a deadpan tone. I mean, I'm still fairly convinced that that's director. <laughs> That might be, but you still have to make that work as an actor. A deadpan? Oh, I can do that in space. Well, sure, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so anyway, I mean, so like for me, because I, I, for me, I would be happy never reference the prequels ever again. Like they, 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 they I hate them so much. Well, that's just too bad because they're back. They're back, and a whole oh, new I generation. Know. Loves I, I know. I will say, I had hope for a little while because the sequels <laughs> barely referenced the prequels at all, and so I was like, all right, that's fine you don't have to contradict them just never refer back to them like they mentioned you know they mentioned palpatine insidious i mean well mm-hmm. i guess they actually have palpatine but they they, they just mentioned the fact that he like screwed up the jedi and everything and all that luke mentions that and they mentioned that there was a clone army and that's like it as far as prequel references in the sequels and i was like that's good that's how disney should handle it moving forward you don't really <laughs> reference them don't do anything and then like all this stuff on disney plus has come out where i'm like no no, don't. <laughs> don't don't I mean, keep referencing the prequels. A, this makes me really want to be on the episode where you cover Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, <laughs> and B, uh, I mean, Disney put out a trilogy of Star Wars movies that are arguably as bad. Yeah, <laughs> as see, I, I, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. I think the sequels are clearly better than the prequels. Rise of yeah, the Skywalker right. stands Corey, up Corey, against any that. of Guys, the prequel trilogy. I don't have time to get into this with y'all. <laughs> 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 Corey's literally wearing a Star Wars t-shirt as we speak. I was like, <laughs> I, I mean, like, the no, sweater. no, we can, there's a lot of things to talk about in the sequels. There's a lot of things. But like we don't have time for me to get on a soapbox about some of those things if we want this to be a timely uh conversation. Fair, fair. That's fair. I I, I punched below the belt. I should not have. Uh, no, you, you were right, JD, to speak your mind. <laughs> Corey, no, no offense. Corey. Why are you booing me? I'm right. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. All right. So I was excited with the Mandalorian season two. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is very interesting. Boba Fett has decided to become a crime lord. I'm like, that. that is an interesting choice. And I can see how, after he's been treated, after all these things that have happened to him, that this would be the thing. Like, I'm going to run things now instead of you know, like, you know, being the one who's always being told to go and do things. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to run things. And I feel like I was given a colossal bait and switch with this show, where instead of getting, you know, Boba Fett crime boss, I was given Boba Fett Prince of the Deep Dune Sea. No, no, you got Boba Fett dances with wolves. This is this <laughs> yeah. is like this is sort of a thing that happened. I yeah. Well, I all right. Yeah, in the first episode, and and I was kind of fine with the first episode, you know, and then it became like he really was like a Disney prince. 
And I was like completely mm. virtuous, completely trusting of everyone, even when it made absolutely no sense. And it was just like taking his helmet off all the time. He never wore his helmet. He barely <laughs> wore it. <laughs> he would just walk around like, with it. There in are his assassins arm. gunning for yes. you. You can take the helmet off in the what? palace. Don't take the helmet off in the street. As soon as he could take it off, he would take it off. <laughs> and then to have him in a scene with the Mandalorian, who code is all about never taking it off okay just, but wait wait okay, wait but like wait, wait, is on, a religious out, zealot yes. in his yeah. orders yes. like yeah he's a zealot the mandalorian is in a cult i get that but as and nathan said you're an assassin people are coming for you and the last thing you want to do is take off and expose your bald ass head <laughs> <laughs> okay that, that Here, that's unfair here's here's my ball. thing no i no, would have no. been uh, sniper shot I would have been okay with the 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 backstory of like the the dances with wolvesness of it if he wasn't also simultaneously the worst crime boss in the history of the galaxy. <laughs> like if that wasn't happening concurrently to the stuff with the the um uh the the, the prequel stuff or the the stuff in the past that I I was only tenuously following cuz like I want to see the the point of the show, which is Boba Fett crime boss. Um, and yeah, I didn't get that at all because he was terrible at it and admits it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, hold on a minute. The thing is, he takes over a crime boss's territory, but he very clearly does not become a crime boss. He's basically like, we're going to be completely altruistic. You're going to give away stuff. Yes! You're going to do this and that. And so that's why I'm saying he's become a Disney prince. You know, he's become prince of this area. It is a Disney show. He was like, I'm going to be a crime boss. But he's not I'm going to be an honorable crime boss. It's like, well, that's not how crime works. Yeah. <laughs> Corey, Corey, take it. I, wanna, I, I know you, yes. I, you were chomping. Yes. No, right, it, but everybody sort of jumped in with my comments. So no, it's, so, it's fine. Yes. Like, I, I get it. I understand, like, all the criticism like that. Like, I think at the core of this is that these issues are absolute issues. And I agree with you on a lot of it. One of my biggest complaints about the entirety of the series is they don't address his history with the Empire. Mm. That's just mm -hmm. brushed over and forgotten. It's a huge issue for me watching the show. But I also recognize that this is number one. A Disney show. <laughs> and in doing so, I feel like what they were trying to do, whether or not they were successful or not with it, is to create a character that children like uh, B and JD back in the day would have been like, oh my God, this character is so cool. They were trying to take his popularity and like give it to a new generation. But in order to do that, they were like, well, we have to make him like a good guy and also here's the thing that like i think we're kind of like not talking about in our complaints here is they already did the stoic man with the helmet with the mandalorian you right. can't you can't have that show and then jump immediately into the same concept was like here's another bounty hunter who never takes off his mask and is also <laughs> very stoic and follows the code you, and is maybe morally gray you could not be more right Corey. why, why could we that? do this different yeah Here's another one that somehow has less charisma and like less goodness in him that's established in canon. Well, yeah, uh, I thought this was going to be actually following him as a crime. I thought he was actually choosing, like, I am going to do crime. I am going to pursue, you know, but like, I'm going to do it in like a Yakuza I'm way. Going I'm going to do what Jabba it. did, but I'm going to do it better because I'm smarter than he was, you know, something like that, you know, like. I'm not going to like crush the people under my boot. I'm going to be a more fair crime boss, but I will still do crime, importantly. 
Nathan, man, uh, Corey, to res- if I may respond to your point, because I think one of the biggest problems with me is what you tagged in on about this is a Disney show. This is mm-hmm. a kid's show. Because one of the things I complain about with these shows is they try to play at both sides at times. It's a kid's show and we can't make our hero too dark, yet Mandalorian, who everybody loves, literally slices a person in half in the show. You know, and it's like mm-hmm. you know, with the dark sword, and it's like we literally see a villain get hanged in the show. I mean, so it's like, where does the kid line stop? And where does the adult show begin? Because I feel like if they pick a side rather than jumping back and forth in the course of the series, that will make a character like this less ridiculous and and trying to make him good and kind of to give him more Mm -hmm. of a foundation. They don't know yet. Mm -hmm. I think that they're still figuring it out. Like they I, are. Yeah, I think that I, it's, you're right. Like, I think they're still trying to figure out how to ride that line because they found such great success with The Mandalorian, which I love personally. I love that show. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they tried to do this, but they can't, again, they can't tell the same story again. Right. So they were trying to come up with a different story, which is at its, its face, like it's an interesting concept for a story. But I, I think that they didn't quite, the execution in places is is not good in places. Yeah, the one other thing I want to bring up, you know, before before we get it, I, I have some questions that I want to ask the panel, but the one, yeah. one other thing that I want to bring up is they keep using the word daimyo, which is interesting because Star Wars has always had, uh, you know, mm-hmm. sort of like a Japanese aesthetic, you know, mm-hmm. built into it from the very beginning. But daimyo implies that there is a lord above him that he answers to. A daimyo mm-hmm. is a feudal lord. So who is the crime boss above the crime bosses who they're all answering? And they never answer that question. In fact, Boba Fett doesn't seem like he's answering to anybody, even though he's called a daimyo. And so that was one of those things that I thought just structurally or just with this whole story, I was like, I want to know who, what the structure is above him and how is he keeping them satisfied so that they don't come and and you know basically say like okay we're taking direct control because you're not running things right and and we didn't get any of that stuff i don't think you were supposed to pay attention to what the term actually meant i think they just pulled a term out they (laughs) they use that term because it feels like a very like that tattooing is a very feudal system and like that's what they're trying to replicate because of uh lucas's original influences with the right, trilogy. but feudal the systems Kurosawa, always yeah. have somebody above the feudal lord. So I, <laughs> I don't, words matter. I, I mean, you can that I mean, word they instead do. of any other they word. Only if the writer that, intends for them to be. Yes. Oh, there's the rub. <laughs> and, I, and that's the thing too is I think that they're using this term as like a familiar term that you might know, but like not building the exact same society because that's the mm-hmm. thing you know like star wars is like this is a very familiar world to the one we know but not quite so I, that to me i don't i don't know it didn't bother me as much because i was like okay they're, they're trying to say this is a feudal system and there's a bunch of smaller petty like kingdoms or you know that sort of thing so but that's a lot of interpretation to have on it, that is. <laughs> it is well, yeah, yeah, because I mean, one word but yeah. like how you know like, there are so many other words you could have used if you wanted to be autonomous you know and so that's just it seems odd that some because daimyo isn't a word i think most american like you know most americans would be familiar with that is mm-hmm. like a sort of mm-hmm. if you're somebody who's into japanese culture you would know the word daimyo you know but not you know general audiences and so again it seems like it was picked for a reason but but I can't determine what that reason was. Maybe and, season two will tell us. Because it, uh, well it done, sounded Corey. vaguely well Star Warsy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I felt like it was just an homage to like the original kind of roots of the storytelling. Yes. yes. Yeah. 
Um, I, th- I think one of my issues, just to kind of piggyback uh, off of what you were saying, Corey, about this is the question that I always come back to when we talk about the show or when I talk about this show is, who was it for? What was the <laughs> point of it? Because if it was for kids, it was too dark to be a kid's show. If it was a and nostalgia grab, yes. yeah, if it was a nostalgia grab, it wasn't interesting enough to be a nostalgia grab and it didn't really do anything with the character and it didn't give what people who loved, like, you know, were enthralled with that character from being a kid. Like it didn't fulfill any of that stuff. Yeah, he us. was more of a badass in Mandalorian season two than in anything we saw mm-hmm. in in the book of Boba Fett. And and, I was and really all surprised it, by that because like even like the aerial thing, combat, like like we got that in the Mandalorian. We didn't get any of that in Book of Boba Fett. And I was just like, why don't we see him flying around his jetpack, you know, fighting people? You know, like I don't know. I just and the only thing that I could finally come up with as the series was wrapping up was, oh, this is a commercial for the Mandalorian season three. Mm-hmm. And I didn't need that. I already like that show, Disney. I'm good. You don't have to sell me on that. All right, all right, but so like we okay. got Mandalorian plot development in this show. All right. But let's all right. So let's let's let's, you know, put things in, in a little more of a structure here. So I want to talk about how the show starts, you know, mm-hmm. like the the sort of beginning, the the whole dances with wolves kind of thing of, you know, Boba Fett being, you know, becoming part of the uh, Tuscan Raider society. And so just as a start, as sort of a, an intro to the series, how did you think that that worked? So let's start with you on this one, Corey. How, what did you what did you think about that sort of aspect? I am glad that someone finally explored uh, Tuscan society a little bit more because we've always seen them as the others, uh, uh, quote unquote, sand people, that sort of thing. They've always been used in a derogatory sense, like over and over again. So I was really curious to see what they would do with that society. And um, in some places, they, it was okay. In some places, I was like, well, it's, you know, kind of using some of the same tropes with the, like, uh, quote unquote, again, the, dances with wolves angle that Mm -hmm. I referred to before, but I was interested to see someone explore that. So that part, I was like, okay, like let, let's kind of see where this goes. Okay. Daviar. Yeah, it didn't work for me because it was the first two episodes are, there's a lot of silence. There's a lot of rituals. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of just desert action and movement but and for me those first two episodes especially are not directed well enough are not written well enough are not acted well enough for them to be interesting in any way so it was a slog to get into this show because and and just for me and you know to correct an earlier point i was not you know criticizing the great Tamura morrison's for for having a bald head i just thought it was a big target if someone's coming after (laughs) but uh but yes but to 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 now also kind of criticize Tamura morrison again I just don't think, you know, Tamora was the right age, energy, actor to try to carry those first two episodes. And to the earlier question of like, you know, if this is a kid's show, like I cannot imagine kids watching those first two episodes just being, wow. You know, so that, that's that's kind of where I am. Okay. JD? I don't know. When I was uh, 12 years old and I went into Dances with Wolves and sat through that three-hour movie, I was, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I actually, I actually kind of agree with Corey on this. Like, I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm really glad it took the time to, I'm really glad something in the Star Wars universe took the time to explore 
the Tuscan Raiders. I don't know that it needed to be this show, but set aside, uh, I'm glad something did. It really, it kind of makes Obi-Wan look like a retroactive <laughs> for, it really does. for how he talks about them, but that's fine. Wow. Um, but uh, no, I, I mean, I'm glad that we have, I, I like, I think these shows are at their best when they are pulling at a thread that, uh, that, you know, the larger canon has established and is taking time to dig into that deeper. It's it's kind of what the extended universe originally was set up for. It was like, all right, well, hey, we saw this weird alien species in this movie at like, you know, 15 minutes in. Let's let's drill down on this and figure out what this was about. Um, and I, you know, like that's what I hoped the Disney Plus shows would do. So I liked that. It just very much overstayed its welcome. Um, that stuff could have been wrapped up in an episode, uh, if it was paced at all. So, um, but you know, it's one of those, like, I'm glad you did it, but I don't know that now was the time to do it. And it really kind of distracted from what you kind of set out the point of the show was, and I don't know why we're here and we're spending way too much time on this. Yeah, I so so here's the thing. So I wait until when when it's a show that has like a storyline, not a standalone. I wait until the show is done before I watch it, so I can just watch it all the way through. Mm-hmm. So I was already <laughs> starting to hear the complaints about the Book of Boba Fett before I even watched it. And when I watched those first couple of episodes, I was kind of like, I don't know why everybody's complaining so much. Like, you know, I like this is nowhere near as bad, like as you know, or it's not bad. Like, I, I was actually interested in the idea of Boba Fett living with this society and you know, all of that, you know, kind of stuff that they were we were getting at with that. And I was like, it's a little slow. So I get why maybe people were bored that it wasn't you know, like super action fan. But I but I pretty much saw where this is going. They're gonna be killed, you know, and the mm-hmm. fact, and this is one of my problems that started out with the fact that he doesn't know who killed them right off the bat because i sure did you know like oh yeah it's the rednecks yeah okay yeah it's not the it's not the guys you just pissed off that are part of a crime you know dramatic irony as a lie right. well <laughs> and that's what i but 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 that's later though we can talk about that because yeah yeah but- <laughs> what Corey? <laughs> okay but but you know but i was I, I was like okay this so i was like okay they're gonna get killed and this is why he's gonna become a crime bosses because he's going to want revenge and we're going to see the revenge you know thing where he's going to you know slowly take away their territory until Mm. he gets rid of them and then it's like oh no he like completely has no clue who did it he thinks it was the like the rednecks living next door Mm. rather than the the crime syndicate he he, they just pissed off and you know it's like okay so now we have to, to watch that and, you know, but that, that's where I felt like the series started going off the rails. But I actually really enjoyed the interaction with the Tuscan culture and him having to, like, make his own stick and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Because I thought that that was kind of neat. I thought that that was kind of, you know, like, okay, yeah, like, like, let's get into their culture and let's have Boba Fett sort of go native and sort of be a reason for why. Why does he become a different character than he was before? And, mm-hmm. and you know, sort of give, like, this is all this stuff. You know, he was swallowed by, a, you know... Um, the Sarlacc, mm-hmm. my, my, but I, I, I preferred the book version where he blows up the Sarlacc yes. from the inside. Yes, yes. the cutting his way out. I was like, really? And it's still alive. So why doesn't just 
grab you back. Like, yes. I don't know. Like that whole thing didn't work for me, but like, I, I much prefer the blowing it up from the inside um you know way and they could have done that they wouldn't i mean wouldn't cost that much money but it would have been too too gruesome for the kids too gruesome. i guess i guess but anyway that that's a minor know. when i was a little kid i really enjoyed tremors (laughs) (laughs) times have changed didn't we all (laughs) i know (laughs) (laughs) all right but then we have like the sort of build up of of boba fett you know we go beyond the scene at the end of the mandalorian he's actually you know running this territory yeah so you know yeah like what do you guys think about you know how i mean we kind of talked about it already but just like sort of sum up your thoughts so we're not just kind of all firing like helter skelter here um so jd what were your thoughts of sort of like the 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 beginning of that not after we have the mandos not the final battle the the sort of you know the next few episodes uh so uh fennec shan deserves way more pay than she's getting in any of this having to put up with all of his bull she is the cavalry again Mm. (laughs) wow fennec shan deserves everything that she wants ever i love ming na wen yes the reason why i think this is more of a directing issue than it is an acting issue is i know ming na wen could act her ass off her character is kind of a blank slate in this show she she Mm -hmm. also is dealing with not getting to emote or really do much of anything. Um, but yeah, her character puts up with entirely too much throughout this show um, for like how comically corrupt and inept the mayor of, <laughs> of the town is. Uh, he constantly gets like one or two over on Boba Fett. Um, we had time to like bond with a rancor in the middle of this show, which I mean, it it had a payoff. Sure. But like (laughs) this show just gets so like, it let itself get so derailed and, and like focusing on things that just didn't feel like they were there to drive the plot forward. And I'd be sitting there after an episode going, what did we just do for an hour? Um, yeah, uh, he's not good at being a crime boss. He's really not. No, but I'm I'm not even sure that's his intention. Then why does he keep saying his intention? It? Almost seems to be I will take this territory from a crime boss, but run it like a completely egalitarian society like that. And why would he want to be that person? Like why? Well, we're we're led to believe that his time with the Tuscan Raiders have caused him to be this way, but it's not given any payoff at all in the writing or in the like in anything but that's why to me that's why that that stuff exists i said i wasn't going to talk about the end but i'm going to say this one thing i thought for sure when he leaves it's because he's going to like rally the tuscan tribes and have them come in so that then he can create peace also between the townspeople and the tuscans by saying like look they came in you know they helped out you know you should treat them with the respect that they deserve and that would have had some sort of thematic you know, like journey, something that would have made some sense and would have been like, okay, I see what's going on is like, he's, he's completely assimilated into that culture and he wants everyone to respect them. And, and that would have been great, but that, that's not what happened. But, any, but anyway, that, that, but that, that was where I thought it might be going is to, for something like that. He gives a couple speeches about how he's tired of working, working for the man who doesn't give, you know, like they're tired of being hired as a bounty hunter. So it, he does give some 
of his motivation away. Whether or not it works for anybody is up in the air. But his motivation mm. is very much like, I'm tired of being basically contracted to do work, your dirty work and putting my life on the lawn for you guys to turn around and treat me really badly. And because that's like kind of what he says to like several of the other characters throughout the show, mm -hmm. including Black Chrysanthemum, which, hey, sorry, I have a lot of feelings about this when we get to talk about him. But um, that's that's a big part of like what he is trying to do by establishing himself is that we're given is this whole like, OK, are you tired of working for the man? Come work for me. I'll pay you <laughs> and not treat you like you're disposable. Which, it, which, again, whether or not that works for you is entirely a different thing. I thought I, I actually liked his interaction with the the speeder bike gang uh, and that moment of when he, like, brings them into the fold. I thought that was possibly his most effective moment of, like, running this um, and, like, building out his ranks. Uh, and I, I thought that that was like really effectively done. Um, and I, I, those were some of my, some of the characters I enjoyed spending the most time with. Okay. Corey. So, so you keep saying like whether or not it worked for you, but like, so, so the, the you know, this whole thing where he comes in and he's going to be, okay, I'm, this is my territory, you know, I'm going to walk around town, you know, I'm going to, you know, make some proclamations, <laughs> you know, like uh, I'm interact with some huts who apparently were on the complete up and up. Cause I thought for sure that Rancor was going to turn on him. Cause like what in the world, like the huts were just like, Hey, here, have this gift for no reason at all. They were very reasonable. Right. The huts are now altruistic? Really? Oh. But anyway, but, uh, did it work for you? So parts of this show really worked for me overall. Um, I feel like the pieces in this show is better than the, the greater whole of the whole thing together. So it was fun to kind of see this. Like, it was fun to explore the concept of what happens when someone's done with taking orders and would like to give orders. I was mm. very excited to see where that was going to go. Uh, overall, I felt a little meh about how it played out in the end in places, but the ride was really fun. And like, it's hard for me to like describe because like, I don't disagree with a lot of the criticism, but I also had enough fun with the little pieces in the show and like what it was offering me that I was like, okay, build on this. I want to see more of this. I want, if given the opportunity, what are you going to do to this? What is it going to build for if we get a season two? Because we are getting a season two, right? That's oh, been yes. established. Yeah. Oh, has so it? I, I didn't think that, that had yeah. been confirmed. I didn't know that that had been I, established oh, either. Well, has I just, it, I just assumed, I just assumed that if Disney, that it's going to happen because they need all the content in the world. I'm looking. Hold on. But they have like 15 Star Wars shows coming out. They don't. Need There's, to never do enough, this. There's never enough, JD. There's never enough. Uh, uh, also, I. To build on that too, um, I I kind of feel like you're right. This show does have moments that are fun, um, and it does have moments that are visually like really cool. Um, so yeah, uh, it it is it is kind of a a difficult show in that sense where it's like, boy, none of this is working for me, but like every 15 or 20 minutes or so, the show really throws me something that I'm like, oh, that's cool. Are we going to do this? And the show's like, no. 
No, I, I'd rather not. <laughs> Absolutely not. There's a lot of really cool pieces in this show. Mm-hmm. I don't think they fit as well together as they should. It is not no. a jigsaw puzzle. And it is yeah, just pieces. No. Okay, we're issue. about to get to the worst, most egregious part of that. But first, I want to hear how Daviar felt about. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, just the, just, the just, of just the beginning of, of Boba Fett's, like, you know, once gotcha. he gets to the city and he's taking the territory and all that. Yeah, that's it, 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 it doesn't work because you can't do a crime boss kid movie or kid show. So it's just you have to pick a side if you're going to do a crime boss story. And because they can't do that side, it, we've got this very weird milk toast presentation of Boba Fett, who, as we already said, just walks around as the top person in charge, but is in but does never has the the, the the best ideas, never never is like really leading a group, but more just being led by them. And it's just I just so no, I mean it's it doesn't start to turn for me that for, it's all wonky and all over the place until. Bryce Dallas Howard shows up as a director for episode five and kind of turns the show in a different direction a little bit, which kind of starts that. But those first four episodes are a struggle. Right. When it right. becomes Our the Trojan Mandalorian. Horse yeah. <laughs> yeah. Season 2.5. Yes. yes. Absolutely. Our Trojan horse episodes. But all right. But I, first I, I, wanna, I would I also, uh, as far as like a kid's crime movie, have you never played a Yakuza game? all right so but uh, just just for my two cents okay so i already talked about one of the things that bothered me because i agree with Corey. there were several things that made me excited but then didn't pan out and like like the whole thing of oh the huts they're being sneaky you know like yeah they're gonna let boba fett fight this battle for them and then they've got a rancor to turn on him you know as soon because like even the guy the trainer that comes with the rancor like looks sinister Mm -hmm. like when boba fett leaves like he looks at the rancor with this like wicked grin Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, there's something going on here. Danny Trejo can't help his face, sir. Okay. <laughs> but you hire Danny Trejo to be somebody who of note. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, all right, this is going to be awesome. It's like, okay, no, that's not going to happen. All right. No, the huts were completely on the up and up. Oh, oh okay. All right. That, that's what we're doing. Um, but, uh, but, but my, my main problem. My main problem with this whole thing, because I also agree, the whole idea of Boba Fett looking to the people that were cast off by society and deriving his power from them, brilliant idea. Like, 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 yeah, like, like a lot of criminal enterprises do that. They like take Mm -hmm. the people who are, and they say, hey, if you work for me, I'll be fair with you. And then that's why they get the loyalty of the people Mm -hmm. that work for them is because, yeah, like, like, you know, all the so-called law and order people like Mm -hmm. treated me like dirt. And, you know, I actually get something from this guy. The fact that the, you know, Power Ranger kids, as everyone's describing them, you know, like didn't like have any personality was part of the problem with them. But as far as like Boba Fett's plan and, you you know, like with them and, and that sort of aspect of it, I thought was actually, okay, that makes a kind of sense. Um, but my real problem was with sort of the incompetence of the character. Mm-hmm. The, and, and I think the biggest part, the biggest one for that is the scene where he invites the crime families and He's, you know, talking about, way hey, we all got to work together to keep these guys, you know, they're going to come in, they're going to take all the territories, we got to do this. And then they're all like, yeah, we'll help you, we'll help you. And he's just kind of like, cool, you know, like, yeah. You are completely trustworthy and I am going to believe you 100%. I'm going to do zero checking about this. And I'm just like, what? 
Like he, I thought for sure he was going to invite them in and have leverage over each of them and be like, if you don't help, you know, this is what I'm going to do to you. And this is how I'm going to wreck you or something that would have had some kind of like thought put into it. Not just like, Hey, I'm going to just convince you by the weight of my arguments. And since you're criminals, <laughs> I can <laughs> trust you 100%. I'm just, my head was exploding watching that because like, it's just not even good writing. You hey, know, we're like, all, we're all honorable criminals here, right? We're <laughs> all exactly like, I mean, right. we're all legally on the down and down, but we're all on the up and up here, right? <laughs> yeah. In this world of people who are, who are the castaways, everyone has such honor is the Disney <laughs> way, the Disney way. The, the, the other thing that, the, and this is more of a personal thing for me, but I've been told for years, ever since Disney bought Star Wars, that nah that eu there's no way they can't they can't expect people to watch or read other things that don't have to do with the thing they're making they they can't possibly expect that of people so they have to get rid of all of that and then in this show i'm watching and oh this is kind of weird they have like a western gunman in their show and like that's a that's an interesting character don't explain anything about him don't don't give him any kind of wait, like wait, are, are you but, talking but, about cad cad bane yes yes Okay, so so so, so apparently he's from the cartoons, and yeah. it's like, oh, but you have to watch the cartoons, and it's like, wait a minute, wait a yeah, minute. There's a the there's whole a lot of stuff getting happening. rid of canon was that you're not going to make me watch something other than the nope. thing I'm watching. Nope. <laughs> it's, but if you watch The Mandalorian, like all of these shows tie back to Clone Wars, uh, because. David Filoni, Dave Filoni is like involved in the process, and he's the one that did all the. But the, at like, the least with stuff. like Bo-Katan. They explained to me who Bo-Katan is. Yes. They took the time to actually give Bo-Katan a character within the Mandalorian. So it wasn't. A, so, yeah, I didn't know she was from the cartoons when I watched the show. Yeah. But I was like, OK, I understand who Bo-Katan is. And then later I learned, oh, she's from the cartoons. Cad Bane gave but, us nothing in this show. But Cad Bane is a he's a, he's a bounty hunter. So like when he shows up, you're like, oh, this is a bounty hunter, and like that's really all you need to know about. What do you need to know about him though? Well, apparently there was some relationship between him and Boba Fett because they they talk like there is, but there's no explanation for any of it. But there's also he when he talks to Black Crescenton, it's the same kind of relationship. They were all Bo they were all bounty hunters together. Like it's a working relationship. So you're kind of going based on that. I, I felt like that one is just like, it's an Easter egg for people who watch Clone Wars, but I didn't think you really needed anything extra with the- oh, Okay, because I had no- uh, People were losing their minds about him and I was well, just yeah. like, he looked kind of stupid to me. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Oh. Western... Marvel is a lot like that too, where Marvel will throw in a character. You know, guys, yeah. like, I don't, there's no emotional weight you know, behind it because I don't care because he looked like, you know, Star Wars has always used Western tropes. This was an actual Western character with Western clothing. There on. were a ton of Western characters though in it. So and it's like, like, that's more than yeah. a trope. I mean, that's more than a trope. But yeah. I, think, I think you're right, JD. Like Marvel does the same thing, but because like, I think a lot of people are familiar with like a lot of people in like this kind of like this, uh, this podcast circle are more familiar with those like little Easter egg Marvel characters. They're like, oh, that's so cool. I don't need any more explanation. But I've talked to my friends who don't know anything about Marvel that are like, what was that? Oh, almost any time that there's an end credit sequence, uh, my partner, <laughs> who I will say is is a nerd and is into this stuff, but not mm -hmm. and like didn't grow up reading comics. Hell, I didn't grow up reading the comics. Mm -hmm. 
but like almost every end credit sequence, every stinger for Marvel, I have to be like, all right, so this is who this person is. <laughs> and that's usually because I had to go look them up myself. I mm-hmm. had no clue who showed up at the end of Multiverse of Madness. And I was sitting in the theater going, why are people? Who all is right, that? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> I would have no problem with it if they hadn't made the argument that the EU can exist because it would require people to read or watch something other than what they're currently watching. Clone Wars is not the EU, though. Right. But I know. But what I'm saying is they're still requiring me to watch. So it's no different than the EU. If you but require you me to, to watch something else, then it's the same as the EU. It's it's you don't need to, though. It's the difference also between having like. 20 years of books and mm-hmm. extraneous material versus I still have to read it if show. I wanted to. And if you're a good writer, I wouldn't have to. You could just introduce the character and be like, That's you don't have point. to read this I book. Mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have Mara Jade and you don't have to read any of the books yeah. about her because we explain her well in the in the movie uh, or the I show. I come down more on Corey's side on this. I felt like, like I knew that Cad Bane was from the cartoon just because I had actually gotten spoiled on that appearance. Hmm. Um, but even not knowing that, I mean, he's just a bounty hunter and everybody seems scared of him. So he was a, apparently a fairly notoriously badass bounty hunter. Yes. I basically kind of equated him to like, oh, well, that's how people reacted to Boba Fett like 30 years ago. And that's kind of what the show is trying to do. And then I just moved on. <laughs> but I mean, I will say The Mandalorian has done a better job of it uh like i didn't need to know who ahsoka was they they did a good job of explaining her Bo-Katan, right, Bo-Katan I, like well, they've yeah. done a better job of it but this still was okay enough i got it but like i, I think had he stuck around for longer they would have needed to do more with him but he was gone like he was there and gone that's the thing with that jd is that both Bo-Katan and Ahsoka are going to play bigger roles. So they exactly. have to explain who they are. Yeah. Ahsoka's getting her own series. Yeah. Cad Bane comes in, has a big dramatic like introduction. Looks scary. And that's it. He's out of the show. So, yeah. You see, so you don't need to have this huge thing. And we're not like, I find it weird because we're not having this conversation about Black Chrysanthemum either. Who's a, like a, not a huge character in the comics, but like is a character from the comics. Bam, I had and, no like, idea who he was. I was just yeah. like, oh, big, strong Wookiee. Okay. Big Wookiee bounty hunter. Cool. <laughs> but they never like, treated Black Chrysanthemum like he was anything. Like there's a long conversation between Boba Fett and Cad Bane in the seventh episode that feels like there's some kind of thing some kind of past there but that's they don't but they don't get into any of they don't explain any of it it's just like sort of like there's like like you know there's some emotional weight when he's shot and it's just like i i explain please yeah. and they don't yeah. you know i don't feel like i i guess i don't feel like we we needed it in this show i think it was like a cool moment they came in here's the character we've introduced but they but i feel like also shows do that all the time with characters who come in just for these little bits and things he was an easter egg for people who watched clone wars and yeah, I mean, that's that's how I feel about All it. All right, but see, here's the thing. Before I even knew he was a cartoon character, I felt weirded out by it. Whereas Black Chrysanthemum, even though everybody makes a big deal about him because of the fact that he just looks cool, he's almost a non-character in this whole thing. Like, he, they barely talk to him. He just kind of stands around in a few places. Like, you know, there's nothing really going on there. There was actual dialogue with Cad Bane that implied mm-hmm. there was a lot more mm-hmm. and they didn't do anything with it. So I think that's that's what's different. Because I was like, this feels weird. Like, there's more story here, you know, like with Cad Bane. 
And especially in a show that is supposed to be the book of Boba Fett, where he has such a history with Boba Fett. That could have been a great moment to like reveal something about this character or, or, or show who Boba, so some a side of Boba Fett that we don't know. If this is supposed to be a show where that is the main figure, and here's a character who is who is cool presenting and clearly has a deep uh, history with them, uh, how do we not make that something more? How do we not spend two episodes on that, just kind of building up that history rather than giving us the Mandalorian point two season two and a half? Well, and that's what I wanted to talk about. because So this is where I wanted to segue. We have our Trojan horse episodes. Yeah. And the thing is, I love those two Trojan horse episodes. The problem is, this was the book of Boba Fett. <laughs> it's kind of like, we feel like we've, we've taken away story that could have been about Boba Fett to give us stories that could have been in the Mandalorian <laughs> season three, you know, instead of in the middle of the book of Boba Fett. And I, and I think, I, Corey, and I, and I think that hits, you know, you know, people like me who did, who got, you know, he didn't read all the books and doesn't watch all the side things. Uh, that, that's, that's, some, that's something that I'm looking for, that I need to invest me into show when I'm not knowing every, every background character and who they were because I saw them in another property. All right, so JD, yes. Can I just, uh, uh, to kind of segue with you, uh, can I say the thing that I just read on Wikipedia that blew my brain apart just a second ago? The production referred to each episode of the Book of Boba Fett as if it was the third season of The Mandalorian. For example, the first episode was referred to as 301 rather than the typical 101 for a series first episode. Yeah, oh, that's what this show was. Like they weren't even pretending. No, they they made a show that basically has two storylines running kind of concurrently, and then they come together at the end. Like that's what this show was. They called it Book of Boba Fett to play on everyone's nostalgia because mm-hmm. they knew people were gonna be like Boba Fett, that guy. All right, I'll watch a show about him, but it's not really about him. Where's Boba Fett? Yeah, <laughs> this is this is not really a show about Boba Fett. So like uh. I, we can all agree with that, though. It's not yeah. really Boba Fett's show. It's, it's not. It's more of like an ensemble when you get into it. And for me, Corey, that's the problem. It, it's like, it, it, it's that's all of the things, all of the issues that I have with the show is it can't be called the Book of Boba Fett just as a gimmick. And that's what that's what the problem yeah. is for me. I mean, it's it's a cynical decision and that's kind of depressing, but it's not surprising, I guess. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not at all surprised by it either, JD. This is just. Yeah. But, uh, that's what they all did. Right, all right. All right. Dabby, <laughs> just really quick. But did you like, because I know you stopped originally before those yes. two Mandalorian episodes. Did you mm-hmm. like those two episodes taken as just isolated episodes? No, because it, it stems back to, for me as someone who didn't grow up as this diehard Boba Fett character, mm-hmm. when I see Tamora first presented, there's nothing that draws me in. I'm like, this guy is too old. This guy is clearly, his best years are behind him as this warrior, as this fighter. And, and again, it's just, what was presented wasn't interesting enough to grab me just as two isolated episodes. It was just, there wasn't, a, I mean, I'm, fa- no, know, I'm talking sorry. about the Mandalorian, the two Mandalorian episodes. Did you like those isolated? Oh, no, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I was, I totally said that wrong. I was still t- t- thinking about Boba Fett. Well, the Mandalorian episodes. Yes. For me, the MVP of the season is Bryce Dallas Howard, who comes in as the director of season five. And, the, and at that point, like when, when that episode begins, you instantly see it's different, how it's shot, the energy of the show, uh, how Pedro Pascal portrays the character. Everything feels like, oh, this is what I'm. This is what I want to see. So yes, those episodes that are Mandalorian do work, even though they take away from the show because they are so interesting. And compared to what the first four episodes are, they come off even better. And the return of the armorer. Oh, 
Well, yeah, <laughs> the best character in the Mandalorian. Everybody is really into this weird cult, and I'm like, no thanks. Okay, but then no, again, no. I watched a lot of Clone Wars, and I'm going to preface this with like, I think that I've seen every piece of star wars media at this point like I, you know like i've awesome. watched everything like that and like this is not a brag this is just like for me as soon as that character comes on i'm like oh no we're back to the cult stuff oh no <laughs> it's like oh no we've actually said the words pause vizsla oh no here we go it's a cult you're in a cult call your dad like i, like, I mean did you see her taking out stormtroopers with a hammer <laughs> Dan, do you need help getting out yeah. yeah it's like do you, do you need assistance can we like stage an intervention like even in the first season of the mandalorian that has always been my thing and i i like it i appreciate it like i do don't get me wrong but this whole setup comes from clone wars like this whole thing Mm. they've set up and so it's an interesting to see more of it because again we finally got more background on the dark saber which is a big part of clone wars uh so and we get a lot of that sort of things kind of like coming back out and i liked that but again, it's it's all from other media. This show, and The Mandalorian even, relies on older media. So mm-hmm. I guess I get kind of confused when like people are like, well, this piece, I don't know. And I'm like, well, all of their storylines are building from earlier stuff. But, but the difference is if you can explain it within the current media without mm-hmm. having to. And That's there's fair. a difference between the mm-hmm. ones that do, the writing that does, which is in mm-hmm. mostly The Mandalorian stuff, and then the Boba Fett stuff where I feel like they didn't handle it well at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, like I said, I, I kind of come down more in the middle of that where I, I have not watched a, a single second of The Clone Wars, but... I'm able to follow the Mandalorian and the book of Boba Fett fine. Um, I, I Well, I'll put it this way. I have not felt like I am missing enough to make me go back and watch the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. But I, Yeah, um, I don't think you are. Like, yeah. I, I guess that's my thing with like Cad Bane. I'm like, I, you didn't miss anything. Like he's a cool bounty hunter. Didn't he raise, but like, did I hear somebody say he raised Boba Fett? Is yeah. that pretty significant? That was the dialogue in the show. No, no, he doesn't. Okay. I mean, just a yes, no. No, not really. There's other. Pe- there's another oh. bounty hunter that does more for that. Oh, so, okay. like, not really. Like, he he is part like of baby Boba's learning to be a bounty hunter. But there's like a couple of them that do that. He didn't okay. like. He wasn't like, oh, young Boba, let me take you under my wing. No. Okay. But yeah. but either way, I mean, that is a significant detail. I feel like that would have been something nice to that know. scene in season seven, episode it's, seven. But so anyway. have Corey have to have to do a PowerPoint for us right now. <laughs> right. I will. I will ready. say. I'm ready. <laughs> I will say for the Mandalorian episodes. Mm-hmm. Yes, they work better than the rest of the show does for me. They still leave me frustrated because one of the things that I was actually pretty actively excited for at the end of the Mandalorian season two was like, oh, I'm really interested to see what this show is going to do now that like Grogu is off with Luke and he is off doing his own thing. That was going to be the thing I brought up. And that, you know, that relationship is split up now. Like, how is he going to be able to move on? And what is he going to get into after that? And this this entire series was just leading up to like, no, we're going to start real season three exactly where we started real season two. and i'm not as excited it actually actively made me less excited as much as i love grogu as a character and i do to an obscene amount uh like i was cool with where that story went i thought it had had a really 
nice arc and it would have been great to check in on him now and again like he kind of does in book of boba fett yes and it's just like why did you blow up season two's finale for this like the emotional weight of that finale is just gone now and we're gonna start next season with them like as a weird buddy cop bounty hunter duo which like there'll be fun to be mined from that i'm not like uh i can't believe but i was really interested in where they were going to go um and i guess where they were going to go is where they have already been on a different branch all right yeah. Corey. i want you to have the last word on this because i'm gonna mostly agree with jd that's fine because that's the thing that's fine. i said it i said at the end of the mandalorian season two don't bring grogu back too early that's exactly what mm-hmm. i said on this podcast okay. like, uh, we're gonna get grogu back eventually but do it in season four don't do it in season three give us a season without grogu so, so we can see what that does to the mandalorian mm-hmm. to be separated from this child, Grogu can show up in the Ahsoka show. Grogu can show mm-hmm. up, you know, like show, you know, don't get rid. Obviously, Disney needs Grogu because he, yes, you know, cash dollars <laughs> rain down All whenever right. Grogu appears. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but yes, the emotional way to is, I think, ruined. Now, the only thing that I think might be interesting about this, and I don't know if they had the courage to do it because, again, every time I thought they were going to do something interesting in the book of Boba Fett, they decided not to, is Luke is very clear. By picking, going with Boba, by picking the armor, you know, or by, by going with Mandalorian and picking the armor, Grogu is going towards the dark side by forming attachments. If we actually have Grogu start Ooh. trending trending towards the dark side and having an issue because of that, not saying he's going to become evil and, and kill people or anything, but just like start seeing those tendencies, that might be an interesting path to go. But I still feel like we could have had a little bit of time before we started that because we could still have had that same scene with Luke in a season four you know, beginning of season four instead of in, you know, season 2.5 so that we could have had a little bit of time away before before we went there. But that's that's the thing. That's the only thing I didn't like about those two episodes. Otherwise, I think those two Mandalorian episodes that were, you know, wedged into the Book of Boba Fett were great. Other than that, I think the Book of Boba Fett needed those episodes to sort of flesh out stuff and and give us more of of you know like detail of what's going on and 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 letting him be have more moments to show like he can that he can do things well (laughs) so and we didn't get that all right but Corey, so please yes okay so i i understand you guys wanted something different but i never thought for a second that grogu wasn't going to be right back with mando like that i always knew that was going to happen that's just the the story structure for this because that Mando story arc in season three is probably going to be like, do you care about, this is my, I don't have any insider information mm-hmm. or anything. This is yeah, just no, me speculate. talking as a Star Wars fan. Okay. Speculation. This is the 42 cast. We yeah. speculate okay. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, season three, the Mandalorian is likely going to be going back to Mandalore. So if you do that without Grogu, I think it's going to take away some of the emotional depth of, um, of Mando establishing like you're in a cult. Uh, you know, like, because he has another support system now from that and establishing the truth about what happened on Mandalore, which we know parts of, but not all, you know. Um, and so I think that that's going to be part of that season three. So you have to have the two of them together for that story arc to continue, I think. And that's what they were doing with this. They were like, OK, now, secondly, I think the stuff with Luke is really interesting because it points out two things. <laughs> Luke is already following the same mistakes the Jedi made Mm. from the prequels already. He's right back into absolutes. 
Like he's right back in there. And it sets up, I think, some of the stuff that happens in the sequels by showing him already buying into this rigid system of to be a Jedi, you have to do this, this, and this, which mm -hmm. is not the way his training went at all, I want to point out. But nope. like him, again, falling into this and having kind of like, uh, yeah, like, like I, I, he didn't really I, have training. He had a day of instruction from Obi Wan, and then he just sure, made it all sure. up from there. And then, he, then he had the trolliest of all Jedi help him, and God love, <laughs> I loved Yoda. But anyway, so <laughs> for uh, like, wow, what is canonically either days. like five hours or like three weeks? We have no yeah, idea. It has, it has to be a longer period of time, just based on space travel. But that's another Empire. So anyway, um. I think that like canonically in canon, they're showing that like here is the beginning of Luke's dealing in absolutes, which eventually leads to the fall of his own school and things like that happening. Mm -hmm. It's setting up Luke is not infallible. It's setting up you're just going to start over the Jedi and be these problems. And meanwhile, you have like Ahsoka there who is not a Jedi um, and is kind of coming in to be like, well, I'm just sort of here to watch because of her own nostalgia for luke's dad and i and i think that like the ahsoka show is going to take us in a completely different direction but that's into territory that since i don't think you guys have like watched anything else like i don't want to like spoil stuff so i think oh that yes <laughs> if you start talking about luke like having flaws and being human you are going to get a certain sector of the star wars fandom <laughs> to be very upset with you <laughs> My dude, I am a lady Star Wars fan on Twitter. I've been there and done that. Like, and it's it's okay for you. It's okay if your personal headcanon about Luke Skywalker is space Jesus. That's fine. I know a lot of people feel very strongly about that, and I I get it. You grew up with the character. You see them as this this thing, and then they change it, and that's yeah. an issue. Um, I, but I also feel like this is setting that up. In terms yeah, of and, and since the movies suggested. already showed us the endpoint, no, I agree with yeah. you. I got the, the same thought watching that episode was like they are setting up the fact that he's trying to do things exactly the mm -hmm. way that the Jedi did things, and and so, so yeah, I saw that. I don't feel like they're gonna do Grogu do the dark side. It's so it's such an easy storyline too. Like I really hope they don't. My what? hope is that they don't do but that. I think the, that's the, the hardest first... storyline for them to do because no. it, it tarnishes, I can't it tarnishes imagine. their plus toy. I, I can't imagine <laughs> Disney letting them do that, but I will say. The first time he side eyes a youngling, I'm gonna start being worried. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I, I I feel like it would have been interesting to explore it some time alone for the two of them. But uh, yeah, I mean Disney, I just I just don't understand like why have him leave it. Like there was no reason to have him leave it all then. Like like it, just end season two with him and Mando going know, it, off it, together. There is though. It it's for that exactly what you just explained, and I think if that's where that goes. I, that might draw me back in. That's actually a, a good good point uh, that I had not considered. So, right. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. So then we have our big finale, where mm -hmm. everything in the kitchen sink <laughs> <laughs> gets uh, you know gets thrown together wow. into a blender. Um, so uh, so yeah. So I mean, Corey, the resolution. Like, how did you feel about how it all comes together? You know, like obviously it's a spectacle, right? But I mean, like beyond that, like, did you feel like it made the journey worthwhile? Do you feel like this was like well put together? Like, like what are your thoughts about the ending? Like, I I am incredibly disappointed that when like Cad Bane reveals to him that like, oh, you know who really killed them, but before wasn't like 
yeah, I already knew that's why I'm here. It that was bad. Mm. And like him having this little rage episode, I was just like, what are you doing, dude? How do you not know? And that was very frustrating to watch from that perspective. Um, but again, I feel like this is a part of like the little pieces are better than the whole because like, like anytime we get to see Pele uh, Moto do anything, I'm like, yes, girl. Yes. You are just doing, living your life, being your best mechanic self, the mechanic from the Mandalorian. I love her yeah, so I, much. So her yes. commentary on anything happening, I was like, yes, yes, yes. Was delightful. Uh, did, did we really like, come on. We, we always knew that Rancor was going to show up and wreck <laughs> everything. And then we, you know, like everything sort of fell together almost exactly the way I thought it was going to. There were no surprises for me in the, the this ending other than like, okay, but like the, la like the last two episodes again, we're just like, I'm going to try to make a deal. Of course, there has to be some backstabbing because we're on Tatooine. Everyone knows what Tatooine is. Everyone knows. And then they were going to be the whole like outnumbered thing. And then you think everyone's going to die. And this, it, it just followed tropes that I was already like, yeah, okay, I see what's happening here. Um, I, nothing was surprising to me. So I, I couldn't even tell you if I was disappointed or not. Cause it was like all really telegraphed very heavily. Okay. JD. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, I mean, all, all valid points. I, you know, Chekhov's Rancor definitely showed up and did his thing. <laughs> um, yeah, but for the wrong it, side, <laughs> yeah, none of it was super surprising. Uh, I, you know, my biggest laugh out loud moment in the entire series is when Boba turns to Fennec Shand is like, we're not very good at this. We should not do this anymore. And I was like, is that really the lesson you finally took after seven episodes? You I got mean, a lot of people killed. <laughs> really not good. At least he acknowledges it, right? Right. But it's almost like the show was like, mm, maybe we shouldn't have. <laughs> um, but my, uh, my, I mean, my, yeah. my, my, my thing with the Volthetic thing is he already sent her to, to take on the syndicate before he found out <laughs> that they were the ones who killed his family, you know? And so it's yeah. like, it would have had way more weight to it if it was part of, you know, like, like yes, because that's what they did. He's going to take them out. But then it's like, oh, so even that revelation was just like a chick the box to make sure that, okay, this is a detail he didn't know. So let's just make sure he knows it before, you know? Like, it's, it was a nah. weird choice. That was a, it was weird, a weird choice, creative choice that I didn't like. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was fine. It It went about how I thought it would, like, I can't, I can't knock it for being dull. Lots of stuff blew up. Lots of stuff got smashed. I like it when things blow up and get mm -hmm. smashed sometimes. Um, and it was like, it was competently shot. Like it was fine. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it definitely didn't elevate the rest of the series for me. Um, yeah, it just kind of, it showed up, it did its job and then it left. And I didn't think about it for like two months, basically. Okay. Daviar? Yeah, it didn't do much. I mean, you know, again, coming at it from the person who is not the Boba Fett fan, so I'm just, so since I'm not going to have those instant uh, nostalgia berries there for me, I'm just truly just looking at what's being presented from a story and character perspective. And just kind of by that point, I mean, yes, there is a long, like, action finale, but for me, there weren't any real stakes because to what we've been talking about in, so, in, in different categories here, it's I didn't have enough to, connection to any character to be worried about is someone going to die or is someone a threat or will they not make, out, uh, make it out? So I didn't have enough connection to, to 
to to feel that and also being a disney plus show i i you know and just and how mildly choreographed you know how mildly decently choreographed like the uh the ending action scene was i just yeah it, it it's it's it was never a moment where i was on the edge of my seat about it so do i think it was bad i don't think it's a bad episode uh but it it you know to jd i think jd surmised it perfectly where it didn't change how i was feeling for the show positively or negatively like by that point i was kind of locked in to what i thought of the show and and, and the ending didn't change that i mean yeah. if it wanted to do something interesting it easily could have and i would argue maybe should have killed off boba fett at the end Ooh. Yeah, that would have been yeah, that would have been hard. But that but means yeah, he would have had to have a journey through the show. Which, You're correct. Yeah. It would have felt very unsatisfying, but at least it would have been like, okay, you took a swing at something. Like that's that's what this was. It was closing his arc. Um, and as it stands now, I, I mean, aside from being a bridge for one season in the Mandalorian to another, I still don't know what the show did. Yeah, I mean, I. I... Yeah, I was frustrated by that ending because while, yeah, it was definitely a spectacle, there was definitely a lot of action going on. I think Daviar said it best. The stakes were never there for me because, you know, like, oh, Grogu's in danger. Oh, am I worried that they're going to kill off Grogu in this? Yeah, okay. You know, <laughs> like, there was never any point where I was worried about anything. And since boba fett was like i would have preferred not killing off boba fett but i would have preferred him losing his territory like have the city like boba fett has to retreat like he's mm. he's he's done and for him to learn that you know like hey you know like you might have been influenced by tuscan society but you cannot operate that way if you want to take on these people like you have got to um you know you have got to learn to to deal in darker stuff and maybe that would have been a cool springboard to a season two of Boba Fett having learned that like you know I've, I've got to go back to my old ways and you know to, to, to take care of this I would have been really you know excited about that but this is like his incompetence was rewarded at the end and so I'm like I, I mean he I, does lose his territory he just voluntarily gives it up <laughs> yeah yeah so I don't know. It's just like I, I, yeah, I, I wasn't satisfied by it at the end. Like it was not horrible. Like it wasn't like watching him try to deal with the mob bosses and be like, "We're all on the up and up," and I'm just gonna try to use logic and reason with you guys. You know, it's just like, but it wasn't. Uh, you know, it's just you know, schlo you know, action schlock. You know, so yeah. Uh, so all right, this is the last thing. If they're going to make a book, Book of Boba Fett season two, what is oh. your pitch? What should it be about? Again, seven episodes. You know, mm -hmm. how would you handle it? Um, gotcha. So, uh, Corey, do you have uh, any thoughts on that? I mean, I think that, I think if you use this season as an establishing, reestablishing of the character for people who, again, didn't watch Clone Wars, don't, aren't really familiar with like Boba Fett in a lot of ways and built again to be like, okay, now that you have Mos Espa, you have it, it's your territory, what are you gonna do with it? Like, what does this mean for the galaxy? What does this mean for Tatooine? Because we don't deal with a lot of the ramifications of that. I I, I wanted to see Boba Fett be a crime lord, um, but like more than that, I really wanna see more of Fennec because I feel like she was criminally underused in this mm -hmm. season. So like, I. I would love to see the two of them be crime buds together and like 
go do something with this like whether it is to take on the spice syndicate that everyone seemed you know everyone in this show kept touching on the spice the spice the drug trade how much of an issue it was and yeah the frank herbert estate may slap him with the cease and desist though i mean the, well spice has always been part of star wars so like I know, I, you know <laughs> i i would like to see like more of that i would like to see like this be focused more on more on boba and less on the mandalorian greater world mm -hmm. but i i don't know that we're gonna get that like i really i really don't yeah i mean it's not even sure we're getting a season two for the book yeah, of boba yeah. this is just in your yeah. hypothetical how you would pitch it um what about you uh jd don't <laughs> <laughs> that's how i would pitch it well done. Do not. But uh, if you had to, uh, I would much rather watch the book of Fennec Shand than I would the book of Boba Fett at this point. Yep. Uh, otherwise, like deliver on the promise of the the what you said the point of this season was uh, exactly what Corey said. Give us Boba Fett being a crime lord, even a bad crime lord, like but actually try to do crime this time <laughs> and like. Or at least show the re yeah, at least show the repercussions of like him being a screw up. Uh, you know, uh, I think getting into like him losing a step because of his age or or something along those lines could be interesting. But like, you know, if if you are bound and determined to do a season three or season two of this, detach it from the Mandalorian and actually have him be a crime boss this time uh, yeah, I, I find how it I would so, do it. i find it so amazing that ming na wen is the cavalry both in agents of shield and in the book mm -hmm. of like, hey she knows how to play always all right daviar yeah okay so season two uh boba and finnick are, are are living well just have found life here uh and all is going well and you gotta have Finnick get killed in episode one and and it's got to be by boba's past maybe it's it's Finnick's kid uh, maybe it's uh it's uh Cade's kid uh you know cat cad bane had a kid and and i heard about cad's death and is coming after boba and and does it by taking out Finnick to kind of just launch the war and what i would like to see if boba has to return to the roots of being the bounty hunter that he once was and but now he's kind of older you know you know past his prime and now he's got to go into the underworld of underworlds to go take revenge with Cad Bane, Cad Bane's kid and the journey Boba takes to get there. And of course it has to end with the shootout. Boba and Cad both die because I think at this point, then that's the arc of Boba's story having had both sides of uh, of himself that he's kind of had to face. So that's Old man Boba. Pitch. Old last shot Boba. Okay. You want a fridge? You want a fridge Fennec? Yeah. Like immediately? No, no, thank you. <laughs> I need some steaks, Corey. Did just pitch Red Dead Boba Fett, which is yeah, that's cool. exactly what I'm talking <laughs> but, about, man. But no, no fridging, thanks. Yeah, we yeah, got kill, I, kill one of those Power Ranger kids instead. No, not the I biker, love those babe. Power Ranger kids. I, <laughs> I can't wait until 
They form the Megazord, and it's <laughs> yeah. going to be awesome. Oh, I would have loved that. The kids just like jump together, and like their their limbs like just contorted. The, the Moss Vespa Squad is adorable. <laughs> Corey, do those characters fit that world? Yes. When they show it up, yes. they yes. do. I was, yes, you know, they do. Not one hundred percent. Why? Tell me why. And, it, and, and tell me like, why without it saying it leads to another book. It doesn't lead to another book. It leads to the Star Wars universe as a whole. Look at the Star Wars universe. Look at the ridiculousness of everything else in it. They fit in perfectly. But why are those kids with the flashy bikes here? Not that they don't exist. Not that they don't don't exist. But why are they on this planet? Why are they not? Have you never been to Las Vegas? And seeing kids on flashy bikes like yeah. that? No. Yeah. They're yeah. kids like absolutely. Kids, if you're they're younger. Ha- they're, like there's no like they fit in so like you it's like saying as long as long as there have been like people living in the desert in America it like since the 1900s, there have been obnoxious kids riding but like vehicles that they shouldn't be riding out in the desert. Yeah. Like, but they're not. No, they fit. I mean, they're, I they're gay. Are saying they, they were don't gay. really fit. They were literally aesthetic. criminals at the beginning. They're, like, yeah, they were part of a gang. They, they were, that's what <laughs> I'm flashy, saying. They were flashy gang. cars in the desert as part of why, a gang is like so many is a, tropes. Why is yeah. a gang with flashy bikes and clothes trying to gang on a city that is poor and desolate? Why they not are, take your act to Las Vegas where there's actually some money there? Because there's not one of those on Tatooine. Well, yeah. Take your flashy bike and go there. But how are like, they going to get there? They even say they don't. The only reason they turn to crime is they don't have money, and it's petty. A lot of it's petty crime. Again, they can't afford to go to a like a more populated world. Tatooine is, is the outer rim, man. Like there's like nothing there. So this is, but there's let that me turn mean. to crime and and the in the trashiest place I can because there's going to be a lot of opportunities for us there. And how do, saying, we, how like, do we bring? Are you saying the- there's like no crime in like Western awful Texas? Like yeah, of course yeah. there is. Yes, yes, but it's like, not done by a biker as, gang. Okay, as someone I, who grew yeah, up in rural America, like this is definitely a thing that's yeah, here. Yeah, this happens so for this sure. Debbie, I, I think a better argument is if they're dirt poor, how are they maintaining these bikes and keeping them so pristine? pristine. Crime. With, with no, with Crime. no resources. Have, have you yes. ever heard of like car clubs? Wait, hang on. When I grew on, up, y'all. this is no, when I grew up, there's a thing. People, I, I'm from a very, very rural part of like mm-hmm. rural. Um, but car club was a thing where your car was yeah. the most expensive thing you had and you took care of it. You mm-hmm. made sure the paint job was super shiny. You drove it around. You never got it dirty. Like, and they and were again, like on a ta- planet like Tatooine. You and if you were, if you were a bad person and you needed a part, you chopped it off another car. Yeah, absolutely. Yo, we, <laughs> like, and I grew up in Baltimore, not in the rural U.S. <laughs> and and I know this yeah. to be true. Yo, I get it. We're, we all know that, the, that gangs and crime actually happen but if i'm talking about a show where there's a colorful biker gang in this place i i, I need a little bit and it was what we've been saying consistently there's no story to know who and why and what for these folks and that's the thing for me and it's like to compare it to the real world yes but that's apples and all okay wait, wait you want to know why please because it's the robert rodriguez episode Okay. <laughs> I would love to have seen what Bryce Dallas Howard would have done with those episodes. I'm, I, I'm just saying, though, like you, that's why that, I, I that when I was watching, I was like, yes, yes, this is Rodriguez. Yes, yes, <laughs> everything about this. All I mean, right. it was, I would argue, like, one of maybe two or three visual flares that Robert Rodriguez actually brought with him. Yes. So it was nice. I, I liked it. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I liked, I liked I like the Moss Vespa squad. Like, they were fun. Okay. Fair. Fair. I mean, yeah. 
I, I found them gaudy and they didn't have any personality. So to me, it was just like, they didn't do anything. Yeah, but for neither me. did anybody I'm not else. saying that I they had a problem with Gaviar where I don't think they could exist. They just didn't do anything for me. I like the idea of how Boba Fett recruited them, but that was all that I really liked about them. I always point oh. out Star Wars has characters called Elon Sleaze Bagano. Like it's it's anybody's ball game in Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. But my pitch for the book of Boba Fett. So apparently we have these territories and you know like everyone seems to like act like these are established things somehow lines have been drawn you know mm -hmm. and it's like you know like these guys don't even seem to be worried the new guys coming into the planet are going to take over territories but the guys that are already there aren't looking at like taking over each other's territory so i still feel like there almost is implied a structure here that there is someone sitting above them that they're sending money off to and so that's what i would like to see i would like to see boba who has mm -hmm. now done this whole thing uh, with Mas Vespa, you know and he's turned this society around and he's done all this when the higher ups come down you know, maybe the huts bring the higher ups, you know, and say, like, look at what this guy's doing. You know, like we have to, you know, break things up back to how they used to be and and, and the conflict there and actually make it where Boba Fett is now against a force that is definitely more powerful than he can just muster raw firepower against and show him having to use skills like guile and cunning and information gathering and and all that kind of stuff that would be interesting to see him having to do all this you can even play with the whole age thing and the fact yeah. that he can't do like what he used to do anymore but i would love to see that sort of conflict and actually like force him to use you know uh you know some skills that he must have had as a bounty hunter to capture people to be able to outthink them to be able to like anticipate what they're going to do like all those kinds of things i want to see that i want to see boba fett being smart and calculating and, and not just all about like oh well if i bring in a rancor then we finally have a strength 1301 against their strength 1300 and now we can beat them you know like it's like a video game or something you know you know what i love but, about all of these pitches is that they include 100 percent less back to tank and i'm i'm here for that <laughs> the back to tank really a that tank. was like a... that, yeah that didn't, i mean well well <laughs> speaking of well, the, the back to tank leads to every flashback in the show oh, that's, true. <laughs> that's true but we've already done the flashbacks and oh. and, and frankly that was the one thing that they were showing us he's older he's injured like he's got problems like that was yeah nice to establish that it just never like really played any kind of major role in the you know in the story so it did in the end the yeah. back to tank came in clutch at the it very did. end it did because let me tell you if if they had killed off Cobb vanth we would have rioted <laughs> <laughs> mostly me i would have rioted okay but i have i have, i really like that character he has a good voice i'll give you that good voice actor but uh <laughs> <laughs> felt so what why so is that dismissive. bad i just felt so that dismissive. <laughs> like he's good voice actor good i mean like i i has, i don't know if timothy oliphant is like a good voice actor but like he's all a fantastic what's the what's the problem I like here the voice for that character i thought it was like you know like, i don't know i thought that it worked fair, Spa fair. Sp space southerners always weird me out <laughs> I still don't understand space southerners. No, either. All right, there's Luke, Luke kissed his sister. Okay, uh, it's yeah. Star Wars. Luke kissed I don't... his sister. They're from the southern part of the galaxy. Yeah, I'm telling uh, yeah. you that right now. <laughs>
didn't know Texas was was in the galaxy far, far away. Clearly, you never watched Brave Star, okay? <laughs> or Brave any Star, of Firefly. Yeah. I love that show. So oh, maybe no. that's, that's why where those kids came from. They would have belonged yeah, right. in Brave no, Star. Yeah. Firefly is from. the entire universe is Texas. I get it, I get it JD. Uh, <laughs> there I, was I a, had questions there too. There was a robot that horse Timothy that Oliphant transformed from... into like a humanoid robot horse, and he had a gun called Sarah Jane. It's also worth pointing. Uh, it's worth pointing out that Timothy Oliphant was born in Hawaii. I, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's fair. And grew up full in circle. California. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I think it it plays into the Western aesthetic, which is Tatooine. Yeah. Tatooine is a Western mm. aesthetic. They they leaned really heavily into a lot of Western tropes tied with their like Japanese tropes, which is a big callback to A New Hope. And so in that respect, it it didn't bother me. Because right. I didn't use British actors this time. All right, so. all right, all right. This is a little bit of it. All right, this is the last thing I'm going to bring up. But the thing I've heard somebody else complain about, which is kind of, I feel like it's kind of legit. Every major event in the galaxy doesn't need to happen on Tatooine. Okay, well, we've I was had the say, Mandalorian Chris? spend. Like- Tatooine, Tatooine is like <laughs> if ten square miles of the Nevada desert is where all of American <laughs> history took place. Yeah. This is not like not everything has to go back to Tatooine. There are other planets, but right. Star Wars forgets what? that a lot of times. <laughs> we no, could I go don't. to a desert planet that has three suns. That would be wild. Like yeah. I'll be completely happy if Mandalorian season three does not go to Tatooine in one single episode. Just, just I mean, do a whole season. Just why are you going to ask for the impossible? Yeah. This also. Then, then where is our dirt planet going to come from? This also <laughs> falls back on like why did Star Wars design every planet like their Mario levels? Yeah. <laughs> Wow. No, uh, no, no, they won't do Tatooine, but they'll do that planet Ray was on and Jakku. Uh... <laughs> yeah, they'll do yeah. Jakku, same planet. Yeah. <laughs> See, we didn't do Tatooine. This is like oh, See, other, man. other side. We did. Tatooine. We did. <laughs> it's it's tropes. Star we Wars did. loves tropes. We did. We have Tatooine at home. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tatooine from Wish.com. <laughs> all right. All right. All right, guys, thank you for doing this. And and I yeah. know, I, I know we were very, we were very, you know, overall negative other than Corey, you know, on this show. But, you know, I feel like the 42 cat, like I know I have friends who do podcasts. They only talk about the things that they absolutely loved. And I feel like we, we you know, some shows deserve, you know, a little bit of criticism. And I mm-hmm. feel like, you know, we should talk about that. So I'm going to talk about every, every Star Wars show on mm-hmm. Disney Plus, you know, like, and so if I don't like it, I don't like it, but you know that and that it's the book of Boba Fett. And there were things to like. I liked the two Mandalorian episodes a lot. I just feel like they did not like like Corey kept saying like there were parts that were better than the whole. And I think that yeah. that's like a great way of saying it is like yeah. th- that I loved that... a lot of those little parts. I, I do agree that like as a whole, I was disappointed with the show, but there's so many good little bits. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I still haven't watched Obi-Wan yet because I was waiting for it to end. So I'm going to watch that. So we'll it's see what I think of that. It's pretty I... good. <laughs> it's way better. Okay. Mm. All right. <laughs> Do you it, like any Star Wars? It sir? also has its problems, I but am... it's pretty okay it's it's like a child the fact that you love it is why you want it to do well (laughs) and that's what's happening here when there's a good one i'll be the first one to praise it i promise for it wow wow (laughs) i see i i'm gonna hope for good things good time with obi-wan 
but uh, all right <laughs> uh let's say goodbyes and let people know where they can find us so uh let's start with you jd uh i am one of five co-hosts on level seven <laughs> access a marvel cinematic universe podcast uh you can pop in and listen to us over there we uh have been covering miss marvel uh which is an absolute delight uh and we are going to be we we weren't able to record episode by episode for uh obi-wan so we are going to cover it in a big chunk here pretty soon but yeah we'll be talking about we Mostly do any Disney Plus show or oh, movie now. Oh, okay. So. I was about to say, wait a minute. <laughs> Level seven access. Why? Yeah, are you but we've been about doing Obi-Wan? we've been doing Star Wars stuff. I mean, since the Force Awakens, so we have mm. a pretty long track record of like, okay, well, we're also interested in this, so we'll pick it up. Uh, and we've kind of done that as a whole with Star Wars now. Okay. Well, yeah, especially since Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. ended, which was your primary yeah, focus. Yeah, exactly. We have... You got more time to cover We have long things, gaps but. now, which uh, Disney Plus is eager and happy to fill for us, so... Very nice. All right, well, so, thanks for coming on the show, J.D. Thanks for having me. All right, Corey, say goodbyes and let people know where they can find you. Um, this is fun. Thanks for having me. I, you can hear me talk about, well, you can hear me talk about Star Wars with, with you, Nathan, on Legendary Forces. I'm also a co-host on, um, Culture Cryptids, which is a folklore, horror movie, and culture podcast where we talk about kind of the tropes, mythology, and all that fun, spooky monster stuff that you might enjoy. And I'm also doing Krakoan Exports, which is an X-Men podcast where we talk about the new Krakoa era of X-Men. And thank you for being on the show, Corey. And Daviar, say goodbye to let people know where they can find you. Uh, this is always a pleasure, everyone. Thank you so much for the conversation and for the passion. I love it. Uh, right now, people can find me. Uh, this is an international audience in Canada, in Ontario, Canada, at the uh, Stratford Festival Theater. We've got about six, seven, eight shows happening right now uh, simultaneously in rep. So all I'll say is just support live theater wherever you are So uh, and keep that going. So that was, thanks, everyone. Yeah, and thanks for coming on the show, Daviar. And that's it for our Book of Boba Fett episode. What did you think about it? What did you like? What didn't you like? How do you think we treated the Prince of the Deep Dune Sea? You can let us know in a bunch of different ways. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is to go to our website, 42cast.com, and leave us a message anywhere there. You can go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash 42cast. You can also tweet to us or go on Instagram and chat with us at 42cast. You can also leave reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. Uh, With Apple Podcasts especially, it's helpful because the more reviews that we get, the higher we show up in searches. So we definitely appreciate if you have an Apple account, if you would take the time to leave us a review if you haven't already. You can also help out the show by going to the ESO Network Patreon. You can find that at patreon.com slash ESO Network. You will see all the different tiers, the different perks that you can get for the tiers. So if you have any funds to contribute, we would greatly appreciate it. You can also find me on two other podcasts. One is Time Streams, where my friend Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. We talk about everything that happens in the episode, so you don't have to buy the episodes and watch them to follow along with us. If you just want to hear our banter, that's fine. We'll explain classic Who to you. We'll all have a good time. But if you want to have the episodes, or if you have the episodes already and you want to listen to us, I definitely think you'll get more out of it. But if that sounds interesting to you, that is Time Streams. 
The other show is Legendary Forces, and that's where Juliet and I again, but also joined by Joe, Ashley, and Corey, we're going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. We talk about how the quality of the media, we talk about what it shows about sort of the expanding notion of what Star Wars is, and so we're kind of covering how the Star Wars universe expands conceptually as the series progresses. So if that sounds interesting to you, that is Legendary Forces. In other news, Beth and I have watched the Willow uh, series on Disney+. Plus. I was very disappointed by it. I was actually surprised that a series that has so many people that were part of the original film working on it seems to have such little regard to the original movie. It's definitely aimed at a much younger audience this time, and I have a lot of problems with it, so I was not a fan. We are also started Titan Season 4. I'm not as quite a fan of that as I was with Season 3, so we're kind of on a hiatus there. Uh, but we're probably going to go back to it soon. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. Uh, you know, that's what we're watching right now. Check back. We'll post about a lot of these shows, you know, over time. Um, in con news, I'm definitely going to C2E2 in a few weeks. So you can find me there if you're going also. Definitely feel free to send me an email if you want to meet up or just want to see what I'm doing at C2E2. The biggest thing for me is that I want to meet William Daniels, who is the voice of Kit and Knight Rider. Um, that's actually a big draw for me, so I'm really looking forward to that. And yeah, in other con news, I'll be going to Chicago TARDIS in November, though that's pretty far away. Still not sure about Fan Expo Chicago this year. We'll see what their lineup is, we'll see who their guests are, that'll be the determining factor for me. But yeah, that's it for this week. Join us back next week when Alex Garfin will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan, signing off. You have been listening to The 42 Cast, copyright 2023. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.